Hi, I'm Lydia. And I'm Sonika. And welcome to Pop Rocks and Tea, a podcast about all things pop culture. And all the tea that comes with it. Today, we are going to be breaking down one of the most popular shows on TV, on the internet, on streaming services. And that show is Euphoria. We love it. We are going to be talking about all of our favorite moments from season two now that season two has wrapped up. But before we get into all of that and introduce our special guest, we are going to do a little bit of Euphoria trivia. Yes. So if you have not watched this season yet or are not caught up, spoilers alert from this moment alert. You have been warned. Just come back once you're done. Yes. It'll still be here. But yeah, we are going to do a little bit of trivia. You guys really liked that last time. So let's go. Lydia, are you ready? Let's get into it. I'm ready. All right. I'm going to ask the first question. So this season, we get a little bit of a look into Fez and Ashtray's backstory, and we learn about Fez's grandma. What does Fez call his grandma? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm blanking. It's not like her name, is it? Like, like, like it's like kind of like an adjective slash he like calls her that. I got nothing. I got nothing. What is it? A mother effing G. Wait. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. You're right. I thought that, like, mm-hmm. I was going to say that, but then I thought, I was like, no. She is a mother effing G, though. She is mother effing G. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to start off with a little bit of an easier question. So in season one, who did Lexi dress up as? For Halloween. Bob Ross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very iconic of her to do that. All right. You're next. All right. So we also get a little bit of Cal's backstory this season. And we get to learn about his childhood or not childhood, high school best friend. What was his best friend's name? Derek. This I know. <laughs> this I know. All right. Yes. You got that one. Okay. All right. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Also going to go back to to season one for this. But what drug did Maddie and Cassie take during the carnival episode? They took Molly. Mm-hmm. And then Cassie did some things. She, she was having a good time on that carousel. That's all I'll she say. She was having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> also that line of, of Maddie – being like, I don't know if your head's all scrambled from all the Molly you take, but I never said that. Yes. Iconic line. Iconic. <laughs> all right. This is my last question. Okay. It's a little wholesome. What seat did Lexi save Fez for her play? Like the front. She was like, I'm going to be sitting in the front row. Is that the front row seat? Or the best seat yeah. in the house? Yeah. The best seat. <laughs> the best seat in the house. Okay. 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step up my question this time. Yeah. So if you have an eagle eye, I feel like you might be able to get this. But what pet does Gia have in her room? Oh, my God. I know this. I'm, like, scared to say the answer and, like, get it wrong. I feel like if you have an idea of what the answer is, you're probably right. Is it a hamster? It is a hamster. (laughs) I was about to be like, I have one. Yeah. I was about to say, like, I feel like. You were inspired by Poppy <laughs> with this question. 
Poppy is Lydia's hamster. Bunny is my hamster. I did have a hamster named Poppy. No. (laughs) Oh my God. Wait, no, you totally do this. No, I didn't. I did not know this. Okay. So we are, are we two and two? Oh no, we're two and three. You know, you won. I won. This is redemption from last time. (laughs) True. True. Now we're going to have to have our next trivia be like a tiebreaker. So for our Euphoria Season 2 discussion, we are joined by the lovely Claire Mulroy. We know her from our college paper, The Eagle, but she's also an intern for The Today Show, and she's been writing all about Euphoria and other pop culture stuff. So Claire, do you want to tell us about some of the stuff that you've written and and how you kind of got into covering Euphoria? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a senior at American University right now. I'm also an intern at the Today Show. um, And I do a lot of uh, pop culture writing there. So my supervisor is actually the pop culture editor of today.com. So when I first started my internship, I really was into Euphoria. I really loved Euphoria when it first came out the first season. And I was so excited for the second season. And something that I pitched to them was, hey, we should do a story on all of these TikTok trends that are going on with people predicting what is going to happen in each episode of Euphoria. I think this is so unique because this is one of those very unique times where everyone in the world, it seems like, who's in their 20s um, is watching this at the same time. So there's no way to kind of binge it or be ahead of everybody else on it. Um, And, you know, if you go onto TikTok, maybe five hours after the episode airs every Sunday, you're seeing all the spoilers for it. So you you have to be, you know, up to date on watching it. So I originally wrote a story um, about different... TikTok predictions and fan predictions. Um, and after that, my my boss was like, do you want to just write about Euphoria every single week? So I was like, yeah, I would absolutely love to. And so I wrote mostly about fan theories. I did a couple of news stories when things were coming out. You know, it seemed like every single week there was a new interview or a new trending story about one of the actors in Euphoria. Um, I also got to, two weeks ago, interview Paula Marshall, who plays... Marsha on um, Euphoria, which is Nate's mom. And that was the coolest, I think, kind of end to my Euphoria recaps was getting to do that. I joke all the time that I was a Euphoria beat writer just because it seemed like every single Tuesday I would log on and I'd be writing about Euphoria. Yeah, the stuff that you've written is so great. I was just catching up on the, the Paula Marshall article today and we'll definitely get into all of that. But it's been so fun to like <laughs> see you transform into this Euphoria beat reporter. <laughs> It's been fun. And it's it's necessary too. So much happens in these episodes. Like you need to like sit down and like break everything down and process it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing a service. So yeah, let's kind of just jump into the discussion, shall we? I mean, we kind of have a list of our, our highs and lows for this series. Um, but Claire, do you want to share one of your highs from this season? Yeah, I think... I mean, I think artistically, I think the some of the creative scenes where they kind of went a little crazy with, you know, the um, like making it making it very arty and abstract, I think were cool. I really liked the lovers montage with Rue and Jules. That was one of my favorite scenes because I think it just like and I wrote a story about that, too, about people kind of theorizing that that meant that Rue was going to die because Rue was playing a lot of the times the 
lover in the couple that died. Um, but I thought that that was really beautiful. And, you know, we now know that Rue has not died. But I mean, even like, aside from that, I think it was just a beautiful kind of metaphor of the way their relationship was and kind of the way it had its downfall too. And then also, you know, just on a kind of like a funnier uplifting moment, I really liked the way that Maddie found out about Cassie and Nate being together. I Everyone yes. was really anticipating <laughs> that and how it was going to go down. But I thought like the delivery of that really kind of played on both the drama and the comedic timing of it because it was like the serious moment, but also it was funny. And I liked the way that they delivered that. I feel like even if you didn't watch Euphoria, I think like a lot of people that I know, like know that line, like how long have you been fucking Nate Jacobs? <laughs> yeah. You can't escape the Maddie and Cassie mess. Um, it's all over the internet. And just like, I've seen a lot of memes where like you see her like nails clanking together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. <laughs> Sonica, how about you? What was like a, a high for you? Okay. I have to say there were a lot of highs, honestly, this season. I think there were a lot of like, like Claire said, like really artsy, cool visuals. But I got to give it to Ethan. Ethan! And his song and dance number in the play. The play in itself. First of all. The play in itself, I mean, just a masterpiece. Like I want to watch it in real life again and again. But like that number, that musical number, I was like the talent get like this guy needs like some kind of award like he needs oh my gosh it was incredible and I was just enjoying myself so much watching Nate get I was like Nate no one said this is about you why are you so stressed he was so stressed he was so stressed I was like no one needs to know this is about you but here you're here like doing like the Arthur meme (laughs) with your fist so that was definitely my highest high um Lydia I mean I definitely had like the play just like the whole thing Ethan giving it his all and like Sue's like cheering on Lexi just like warmed my heart as well um but I would say like I think like my top two highs would be the scene with Fez and Lexi holding hands like that scene just like (laughs) in a show with just so much like raunchy stuff and dark subjects just to have that little moment of them like sitting on the couch singing stand by me like that made me so happy and also just first episode at the very end seeing Nate get the shit beat out of him he Mm -hmm. had it coming and it was a great way to start the season it was it was very cathartic I think (laughs) for a lot of us and then we end the season two with like Cassie getting beat up essentially by Maddie. Yes, yes. interesting. I haven't really thought about like the connection between the two of that now, but they both kind of, you know, got what was coming to them (laughs) at different points. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So mean with the lows. I think we got to touch upon episode five, the episode where Rue is just in a manic state running around as as everybody kind of stages this intervention for her. Yeah. So even before that, I can't remember which episode. I think the third episode when Rue gets the drugs from Lori and she's like carrying around that suitcase and Ali tries to confront her about it and she says, what are you going to do? Hit me? I'm pretty sure that's the quote. But I think that that was like probably the lowest point in my opinion for Rue because that was when I was like, okay, 
she's like past the point. I mean, obviously she's not past the point of no return, but like that was really like a moment where I think her character flipped and it like really set the stage for episode five, which was just a roller coaster. I wasn't prepared and I wish I was prepared a little bit more for an hour of seeing like such a raw depiction of how drug abuse can affect you. Yeah, I think one of the things that I had an issue with this season was just the pacing. I think the pacing was really jarring and I wasn't at times I was like, oh, I can see how this is purposeful. And at other times I was like, I think that this is just maybe the show kind of crumbling to its expectations of of where it, you know, where it left off after season one. And it's there's these huge expectations for what season two is going to be just because the entire world is watching. But I think that episode five kind of marked a turning point and I and I could feel it was a turning point after the fourth episode because everybody thought that Rue was dead or at least if not dead then something big was going to happen so I think like that almost reset how off the pacing had been like there were moments where it was really really fast and then really really slow and but it didn't make it didn't seem like super purposeful until then but then having you know, we kind of slow down, we zoom out a little bit. Rue's not narrating, we're just seeing from exclusively her perspective. I think that that was so needed. And I think that having that, especially in the middle, really broke up kind of the first half and the second half of the second season. No, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And like, I think before in season one, we've seen her and Leslie, her mother, have these types of arguments before, but it would always be like, music in the background like we wouldn't be hearing anything or we'd only get like a short little like glimpse of it so to see this all like play out I don't think we'd ever like seen that before in real time yeah and I mean phenomenal acting by literally everyone that episode but I have to kind of going off of your point Claire on the pacing something that I noticed this season was that the focus was kind of leaning a little bit more towards the relationship drama and like compared to like the issues that euphoria is known to be dealing with which is like drug abuse it did kind of I think detract so I think this fifth episode like came at the right time especially because after the fourth episode everyone was really annoyed with Sam Levinson it's hard because I feel like sometimes you have to separate the parts of yourself, maybe even, you know, Sam Levinson as the director or us as viewers that want to view it as this like, you know, cinematic like display of art and these and these like really deep topics. And then there's also the part mm-hmm. of it that's like, okay, this is like fundamentally a prime time, like young adult drama that everyone is watching. So sometimes you can't have like sometimes you have to balance like having the kind of like petty drama that like everybody on the internet lives for and then also having those deeper messages and one of the things that I was most frustrated with like to your point of online seeing the conversation about it is like I saw after the fifth episode people being like well why didn't we get to see any of like Cassie and Nate or like we barely got to see like Cassie and Maddie and it was frustrating because it's like yeah I know that like that the reason they focused on that kind of petty drama is because that's what people like to watch, you know, and that's what will bring the viewers in. And that's what brings this like massive audience together. But also like the core of the show is about addiction and loss and grief. And to like not touch on that, I think would have been irresponsible. So I thought it was really refreshing to kind of bring it back to like the center of what the show is about. Yeah, the show needed a bit of focus and that episode 
bought it for sure. Another moment that like, I feel like was very glossed over, but like was also very, very shocking was when Nate threatened Maddie with the gun. That was definitely glossed over. Like we needed to hear more noise about that. Yeah, I think he is such an interesting character in like all the layers and depth. And I feel like one of the things that I like about his character is that once you think that you have him figured out, I feel like he does something completely different and you're like, oh, I did not see this coming or I thought I knew, you know, exactly what you were going to do. And But I I do agree. I think that that should have been touched on more because when we do see Nate actually being abusive a lot of times, most of the time to Maddie, I feel like it's really like it's touched upon and then it kind of, we don't really, you know, it's just kind of a side point. Yeah. And then like all of his visions with like, jewels and his dad that was really disturbing (laughs) so like again glossed over but also like I think there's something else at play and I think there's something going on with him and Jules in the back of his mind because then they have the whole like everything I ever said was true and then just nothing from there just literally nothing oh yeah but let's talk about some plot twists because there were definitely some plot twists that I did not see coming one of which being Jules telling Leslie that Rue was doing drugs. I had no idea that that was was coming. But yeah, anybody else have any other plot twists that they would like to discuss? I feel like on the topic of Rue, I just feel like Rue being alive, like part of me definitely after that fourth episode and seeing all the chatter online and seeing the season five promo was like, I think it's just too easy for them to kill her off. Like they're giving too many signs like the whole lovers montage everything I'm like it's it's almost too simple um but I wasn't expecting for like the person to be dead this season I thought that someone was gonna die but I didn't expect it to be Ash like I mean I definitely thought it was interesting how they like strung us along until the end and then kind of after the second to last episode you could see like oh something's gonna go down with Fez and Ash and I was really hoping it wouldn't, but yeah. Oh, I totally thought it was going to be Fez. Mm-hmm. I kept seeing like people being like, I hope Fez doesn't die like on Twitter. And I was like, no, yeah, no, can we not? And then when he got shot, I had like a mini heart attack. But then obviously like he ended up living through that and then they got Ash instead. And that it was very sad. Thinking back and like looking back on this season, my plot twist was going to be when <laughs> Cal went to confront Fez about beating Nate up and like the missing sex tape with Jules and Fez was like you're confused bro I'm confused which was just amazing hilarious. Cal leaving also was a plot twist I did not see coming I was hoping that we would get some kind of Cal back story and I was like excited that that actually happened but I kind of didn't think that he would like have the courage to leave I thought that he would kind of just be you know, that would just be like, you know, a background for him as this sort of emotionally um, and at times physically abusive dad. But to actually like have him branch out on his own, I was I was surprised that that whole interaction in yeah. the like in their um, in the foyer, yeah, the foyer interaction. I was really surprised that that whole thing happened. Oh, my God. And when he's like, you were like my biggest mistake, like you're my biggest disappointment when he told mm-hmm. Nate that I was like. You're telling me you taped a bunch of kids having sex with you and that's oh your God. biggest regret? Mm-hmm. Bruh. <laughs> I, I just could have like done with like a little less 
penis in that scene. Uh-huh. And the whole season, quite honestly, but like especially in that scene. There were there were a lot of dicks this season. <laughs> I was not expecting yeah. any of it. But I guess like on the topic of like characters that kind of came out of the woodwork, I think we should also mention Marsha Jacobs, who like wasn't expecting that monologue out of her um, when she's talking with Nate. And I just think she's like a fascinating character because she's just been surrounded by like toxic masculinity for like her whole life horrible men horrible (laughs) men and now she has this like freedom and she's able to like really have a heart-to-heart with her son but even then she still is like yeah Nate like you got some dark side to you that I like I don't understand how it came about but Claire yeah you mentioned that you got to talk to the actress that plays her so what what were some of the things that she said about her character? Yeah, so she, I mean, she told me that she originally was not expecting to have a huge role um, in Marsha and was kind of pleasantly surprised in season two. Um, and something that she talked a lot with me about was her relationship with Jacob Elordi, because I was like, you know, you're obviously you're, you're portraying these like very dysfunctional mother-son um, pairing. And so how is your relationship, the two of you on a personal level and on a professional level, how is that, you know, kind of helped or anything like that? And she just told me that the two of them have this, she told me so many cute stories about him that like, she like makes her homemade Christmas salsa and like delivers it to him and like bakes cookies for him. And he is just a a really professional guy. And having that relationship, the two of them, um, she was able to kind of take her own you know, instincts as a mother and also like as an actress and working with Jacob Bellorti and kind of put that into creating Marsha and giving her a bigger platform on here. And she also talked to me about how there's a lot of women when they have men in their lives that they're particularly dependent on or that are kind of um, abusive or really negative figures in their life. And they have this opportunity to get their voice back when someone that's been tying you down um, leaves. And so that's what she kind of took into giving Marsha a voice at the end of um, the second season. Yeah, yeah. She sounds so cool. I'm like low-key hoping she gets she gets a little bit of a cold open in season three or something. Yeah. But what were some other characters that you feel like just kind of like came out of nowhere and kind of stole the show this season? Lexi, for sure. I think people had been waiting for Lexi to get her own spotlight and to get her own timeline and I mean to be honest like it wasn't just I liked that it wasn't just like oh everybody loves Lexi like she kind of was a little bit of she was a little bit of a villain and a little bit of a hero in the end and I think that making her so much more of a complex character aside from just being kind of supportive friend of Rue who's has this weird relationship with her I think that was needed it was so interesting because I feel like Lexi is a very relatable character especially at Euphoria High where it's so hard to relate to some of these characters sometimes but you know just like figuring out your place in the world figuring out what you want to do and having that confidence to just become this person regardless of whether people like what she's doing whether they don't just like taking a stand for herself was just really beautiful to watch and I think that it happened at a very good pace you saw like her as an observer her as you know someone who's trying to like break away and like I think her relationship with Fez also really helped bring out this individuality I mean this was Lexi's season yeah honestly Cassie tried to steal the show but it it was Lexi's season true 
but also like Fez. I think people really, really wanted to see more of him and like get his backstory a little bit. And we ended up getting that. And I think he's just such a great character. And you kind of get to see like, even though he had this really tough, challenging upbringing where he had to grow up really fast and kind of take care of everybody he's still a kind-hearted person and like seeing his relationship bloom with Lexi just like and he wants to live on a farm that was so cute the whole little house on the prairie thing like I that was that was the cutest thing to kind of like if he hadn't already been humanized this season to humanize him even more yeah and I think that incorporating Faye into this season also really helps with that. I mean, I I loved Faye. Love her. Agreed. I didn't think I was going to like her, but I I ended up really enjoying her. Same, 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 same. But she definitely like really showed that, you know, Fez is here to take care of everyone. And he has that sort of like big brother role to play for like Mm -hmm. literally everyone who goes to Euphoria High and now Faye. I feel like I could see a Faye storyline in the future, kind of how they brought up characters um, like a season later who have made an appearance. I feel like I could see that in the future. Oh, yeah. And then the other new character, Elliot, which I don't know how to feel about Elliot. (laughs) Mixed feelings. I just knew he was going to come in and mess up the dynamics of everything. I I know how I feel. A man, too. A man coming in and destroying all the, like, good female Literally. relationships. Like, are you kidding me? I, I hate him. I don't understand what the point of him was. <laughs> I wish they gave him more of a purpose. Like, I feel like he was thrown in there kind of, like, as a wrench. But I was waiting for more of, like, his own line. And maybe that'll come next season. I know that I'm pretty sure he just confirmed that he will be in season three. But... I just like I literally felt like he was just kind of a prop to like move the storyline along and like add these kind of tensions between Jules and Rue. I mean, guys, he he bought a little bit of glee to Euphoria. He did. Um, <laughs> he had three purposes: um, to give Rue drugs, to break Rue and Jules apart, and to sing us all a song. To gleeify. <laughs> I think for like the first maybe chorus of the song I was like okay this is nice he can sing he's a musician and yeah. you know okay he's a good voice I'm, I'm down with this and then it went on for several more minutes I don't know why they just didn't like overlay some other scenes during that that would have solved the issue really quick but I think that goes back to like the pacing is like mm-hmm. I feel like there's like Sam Levinson is trying so hard to be like this you know masterpiece of a show and he does that in some ways but I think it's like it's it almost comes off misplaced in other ways which is where where we see this like five minute song in the finale absolutely I like checked Twitter and I saw everyone was tweeting during that time it was just like a little intermission during the episode for all of us literally oh my god but I guess kind of transitioning into characters that we didn't see a lot of I think Jules was definitely one of those for me um I mean she definitely got enough screen time don't get me wrong but like her character I just don't think was expanded upon in the way that I wanted it to be like it just seems like her whole story arc just revolved around Rue and I wish that we got more moments of her like hanging out with the other girls or going through that conflict like she had a whole special episode where she was talking about how she's trying to balance the feminine and masculine side of her and I don't think any of that was kind of touched upon in the season at all she definitely had her own moments to shine but it was I mean she was kind of like a device to 
to further along Rue's mm-hmm. line. And I just wish like they did such a good job in the first season of making sure that all the characters were multifaceted and had their own complexities. And I just thought that that was really lacking this season. We also got to talk about Kat because there's a lot of behind the scenes things with Kat not being in this season. Kat's storyline. I was just like, guys, if you're going to do this to her, just, just cut her out of the show. Like I would rather see nothing than see this. So she had like one good moment, right? I think the scene where all those like influencers were coming and telling her to love herself. And she was like, that, you know, get it. I hate myself. I think that was really, really powerful and really well done. And that was it. We never got a resolution to that. <laughs> we never got a resolution to that. And I'm sorry, her breakup with Ethan. That was just really think She has brain damage. Oh, my God. I was so confused. I'm like, this is the same same writer who wrote the rest of this. Like, I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> I was just so mad at that because it just felt so like, like poorly written. I would get like, you know, if it was funnier, mm-hmm. like if it was just like funnier, like that would have made sense, you know, and to just kind of throw something in that was funny, but it really, it wasn't that funny. It was just kind of like confusing. And then they just never talked about it again. It was um, horrifying to watch. I was so uncomfortable, but the tea behind Kat's role is that she wasn't happy with she as in Barbie Ferreira wasn't happy with the direction that Sam Levinson was taking Kat's character in rightfully so and they actually got into a really really heated argument on set which led to Barbie storming off um and I guess Sam Levinson couldn't handle that and it ended up with Kat getting the short end of the stick and just her storyline just falling apart and just being Maddie's sidekick really and even with that the meme with Maddie and BB and Kat when the fight is going down and BB's the one hyping up Maddie and Kat is like Maddie no I was like you at least could have made her a hype girl like in that moment come on going off of set drama there were also rumors about the actor who plays McKay, um, which was another person we saw for like two seconds in the in the first episode yeah. and then never again. And why was he even there? He's not even in high school anymore. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I liked McKay. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely thought he was one of the better guys on the show. So for him to be in like the season premiere for like two minutes, I was yeah. like kind of bummed. <laughs> uh, do we want to talk about wardrobe moments? Because I think a big part of Euphoria is – the costume design and the makeup design. I mean, what what were some of your like favorite wardrobe moments from this season? One thing I think that I liked was I feel like on TikTok we saw a lot of like the nail art texts and some costume um, folks in the costume department sharing their experiences on set, which I always think is really cool to kind of get that behind the scenes. But I think Maddie always delivers on the iconic fits. Like you can tell there's so much intention put into what she wears. And in a weird way, we got to see like twice as much of that this season because Cassie was <laughs> copying her and wearing the exact same outfit. So it was nice because like I almost got like a little extra dose of Maddie like through Cassie's fits. True, true. And I think something else to note with Maddie because she – is babysitting for this woman who has this absolutely fabulous closet full of designer dresses that she tries on when she's not home. And at the end of the season, Samantha, the woman gives her this beautiful sparkling purple gown that she had been eyeing for a while. And I don't know, I saw that dress as kind of like a symbol of 
you know, one woman who has loved and lost and been hurt mm-hmm. by a lot of men in her life kind of passing on her wisdom to Maddie to like finally get over Nate. And I thought that was a really neat fashion moment, but also like character moment for Maddie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm obsessed with Maddie. Maddie for president. I love her. But Cassie was bringing fits. They weren't all wins, but she was bringing fits. Um, Her entire like spiraling to please Nate sequence was just, it was a lot. First of all, on one level, I like related. That's like me doing my skincare, trying to calm myself down. Um, But not for a man and definitely not for a man like Nate. Mm -mm. Of course, there's the outfit where she's copying Maddie, which is just insane and incredible. I think that the mirroring that they did there was really, really well done, really smoothly done. I want to talk about her swimsuit, her one-piece cutout, which she just decided to change into once she saw that Mm. Nate was coming over. I think that that was a moment. it, It was a moment, and it was so messy. It really just was the perfect outfit to like really showcase her state of mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also think that like when Kat was on screen, she also had a couple of good outfits. She did. And I appreciated Kat's makeup look. Yes. She also had really good makeup looks. I mean, the entire makeup department really stepped up. I mean, yeah. so much so that like now there's like a whole TikTok trend around <laughs> Euphoria High and like what people would wear at Euphoria High. But also like how is this high school letting these kids dress like this? How? I'm like, do y'all not have like a dress code? Are are there no teachers at the school? Nobody has backpacks. No, like even <laughs> I've not. I get to see one backpack. I'm looking at the picture of Maddie and Cassie dressed in the same way right now, and they're both carrying tiny handbags. Y'all have textbooks, <laughs> and none of them are ever like, oh, I'm I can't hang out. Like I have to do homework <laughs> or something. You know, none of that. No, right. No. I think at one point, Alexa Demi, like, addressed that comment. She's like, yeah, of course Maddie wouldn't carry a pencil. Like, she's there to stunt. She's not there to learn. Can't argue with that. But there were also just, like, so many other, like, TikToks and memes surrounding Euphoria that I just thought were absolutely wild. Like, it just got so big that, like, even the Bratz dolls were, like – Oh, my God. Bratz, like, posted that picture of, like, the Bratz dolls as Euphoria characters. Like, okay, Bratz, go off, I guess. I think the most iconic one that I have probably sent to someone like every single day while I'm like texting my friends is the screenshot of Maddie saying, bitch, you better be joking. Oh, I love that one. I can just like hear it in her voice every time. There's been so many good Maddie ones too. Like the nails, like all of the, all of the kind of nail like licking TikToks I think are hilarious because there's so many different like examples of that this season, Um, especially when... She's like, I'm going to fight you. <laughs> that was really funny too. Oh my God, yeah. And like Lexi outside oh, the yeah. burning house. Like the one where it's like the little girl is like seeing the house on fire oh and <laughs> it's just Lexi's face instead. That one's a classic. Or the – there's another one that I feel like has gone around a lot where it's the interaction between Fez and Cal and he's like, you didn't know you were recording? <laughs> like that one is – that one has been all over my For You page. That one and like, you're confused. I'm, I'm confused. confused, bro. <laughs> Also, like the – I just remember seeing all over Twitter after episode seven, just seeing like the picture of Ethan and <laughs> the caption being like, Ethan did that with his whole ethosy. Like I lost. <laughs> he 
He did, though. He did. And I feel like he was kind of, like, the best character to have do that because we know, we don't really know him, you know? We know him in context with Kat, and we've always just kind of known him as, like, shy, sweet guy. And then you're like, oh, like, theater kid. (laughs) Theater kid Ethan is coming out right now. The whole play, as a former theater kid myself, just made me feel so seat. (laughs) Yep. But also, like, where'd they get this budget? This, the budget. (laughs) Okay. That's one loose end, right? Like, who put this production together? All of these kids, like, looked like hired professionals to, like, work on the lighting and, like, work on the sound. And it was a lot. Um, So that's one loose end. But I totally forgot that we have not touched on the fact that Rue owes Lori, like, $10,000. That is another, I think, weakness of this season is there are so many weird missing plot lines that like there doesn't feel like there's a huge cliffhanger for next season but it also doesn't feel totally tied up so I'm like where where is this stuff going you know yeah at the end of this season I felt calm after it like it felt like okay this is like a calm end to everything but then I know that there's so many things that haven't been resolved and Mm -hmm. Rue's like smiling she's like I was sober for the rest of the school year and I'm like that's great you almost got human trafficked. Literally. I saw this TikTok about someone talking about, like, I wish that if only they had listened to Faye and it would have tied that up so nicely if Lori had been the one to get in trouble for killing Mouse. Um, yeah. Because that's what he was setting up to be. And then you just wouldn't have had that whole, like, $10,000 thing. And I'm, I am interested to see if they, where that goes next season I think that they have to bring it up because I don't think that they can move forward here without bringing it up but also it's euphoria so I have no <laughs> idea but I think that's pretty much all I had thank you so much you guys for having me on here this was really fun thank you for being here <laughs> yeah this was so much fun thank you so much for joining all right so that is all that we have for this week's episode we hope you guys have enjoyed this breakdown of euphoria season two and now we have this episode to like catch up on when season three comes out in like two years or whatever but you can head over to our instagram page at pop rocks and tea pod because we'll be posting a lot of fun euphoria themed content on there i know i'm looking forward to trying to recreate some of the makeup looks we'll see how it goes I guess we will. And thank you so much for listening and sharing and liking all of our stuff. Also, definitely check out Claire's stuff. We put links to her Euphoria stories in the description. And until next time, get some Pop Rocks, drink some tea, and go watch Euphoria. Go watch it. It's a good one. You won't regret. Bye. Bye.